0: No.
1: Well, good morning, church. Come on, and Merry Christmas. Come on, let's try it again. Merry Christmas. Oh, tis the season. You know, I I am absolutely fired up. Um, My favorite holiday of the year is Christmas, and it's not just because of the gifts that my family is going to give me, which I know will be plenty, uh, but because of the true reason for the season, which is Jesus Christ. Is anybody thankful for Jesus? Come on. So I'm fired up. Let me take a moment before we jump into the message. Look in the cameras in the back of the room. Extend a great big hello to our extended family in the greater Washington, D.C. area. As many of you know, we're one church in two locations. So we have our campus right here in the South Metro Atlanta area. And then 700 miles north of here, just outside of the nation's capital in Germantown, Maryland, is our Go Church family. And we love you. Come on, let them know you love them. Good morning to all of you. Merry Christmas, Go Church. So thankful for each and every one of you. And then, of course, hello to all of you watching online this morning. Uh, If you're like me and you've had a week with sinuses and sickness, our family's been hit with that, and you're home today, we're praying for you. We love you. We're glad you're tuning in online, and may the Lord bless you wherever you're watching from. And then, of course, we always pause and we say a great big hello to the incredible military men and women Come on, that are serving, especially through the holidays. We bless you and we honor you. One of the great things about the holiday season as well is that it brings some of our military people home. And so if you're home for the holidays and you're serving, we we love you so much and we thank you. Come on, one more time. Can we bless our military men and women? Before we jump into the message, I want to take a moment. You saw this in the video announcements and remind you that Christmas Eve is coming. It's actually coming faster than you probably even realize it. Uh, I know if you're like me, you're thankful for Amazon Prime that can get packages here in a couple days. Come on now. But Christmas Eve is almost here. And at both of our campuses, we have, we have two different Christmas Eve gatherings. And I'll talk about that and the tickets as well because it's a free event. Everybody say free. free. Come on, both campuses say free. Free. It's a free event, but you need a ticket to get in. And the reason you need a ticket to get in is because we want to prepare for your arrival. You and your family, your neighbors, your friends, your coworkers, everybody that's coming. So uh, the services or the gatherings for Christmas Eve at both campuses are 4 p.m. and 5.30 p.m. All you have to do to get your free tickets is to stop by the Next Steps counter at both campuses. Tell them how many tickets that you want and then pick those up. Please take as many tickets as you need, um, but we want you to turn in the extra tickets that you weren't able to use because people are wanting tickets, and I just believe that both gatherings at both campuses are going to be filled to capacity, and on Christmas Eve, God is going to fill the house with His power, with His presence, and with His people. Come on, somebody give me a good amen right there. So. Make sure you get your Christmas Eve gathering tickets today. We gave out hundreds of tickets last weekend, and we don't want you to be left out, so make sure that you get your tickets. All right, anybody ready for the word? Come on, if you're ready for the word, say I am. We're starting a new series this month. It's appropriate for the holiday season. It's appropriate for the month of December, but we're calling this series Carols. Carols. How many of you love Christmas carols? Come on, you love Christmas carols. Uh, Many of you probably couldn't wait for the radio station to start playing Christmas music and Christmas carols. If you're like our family, you you might have an Alexa or some type of, you know, uh, technology that you just tell it to play Christmas music. And so the music is played. And then, of course, since like mid-July, my wife has been anticipating Hallmark movies. Come on now, ladies. Where are you at? So... She told me, she said, I had to endure football season, you got to endure Hallmark season. Come on now. So so pray for me, fellas, as I pray for you. We in this together. You know, but we love we love carols, and, and really the point of the series Carols is we're gonna look over the next few weeks at some of our favorite Christmas carols. And we're gonna look at the lyrics of these carols and see how they not only remind us of the birth of Jesus Christ, but they refresh our faith. To know that God loves us so much that He would send us His only begotten Son named Jesus. Come on, say Amen right there. And this is the reason for the Christmas season. Now, a moment ago, at both campuses, uh, not only did you hear this carol, but but you probably sang along to "O Come, O Come, Emmanuel." Well, what what a beautiful carol! What a beautiful song uh, that was written. And, and as I'll do in the upcoming weeks, I'll do today, we're going to look at the history and the words to that song. And we're going to compare it to the truth of the gospel of God's word and see how it can remind us and refresh our faith of just how good God is. All right. Getting started, let's do an exercise together, all right, both campuses. Now, this exercise is not physical, and some of y'all got real nervous for a moment when I said exercise. You're like, hold on now, it ain't the new year just yet. This isn't a physical exercise, I just want some crowd participation. So on the count of three, I want everybody to say this. Don't go yet, I'll say it, then I'll count to three, and you respond. I'm going to ask you to say, God is, God was, and God will be with us. God is... God was, and God will be with us. You ready? One, two, three. God is, God was, and God will be with us. All right, now you got it. This time, can you do it with a little bit more faith? Can you do it with a little bit more encouragement? Come on now, you got it? Here's what I want you to do both campuses. Touch your neighbor. Tell them, say, time to wake up. Here we go. Here you go, you ready? God is, God was, God will always be with us. You ready? One, two, three. God is, God was. God will be... That's good, isn't it? Let me tell you a little history about this song. O come, O come, Emmanuel. This carol was written around the ninth century, making it over 1,200 years old. Imagine that. that. That must mean to us that this is probably one of the oldest, if not the oldest, Christmas songs that we will ever sing. Now typically or originally O Come O Come Emmanuel had 7 verses to it and typically two choirs would join together and the first choir would sing part of the verse and then the next choir would come in and they would sing the second part of the verse. And this represented the body of Christ joining together or coming together, echoing one another, telling the story of redemption. Starting with the redemption of the Israelites. O come, O come, Emmanuel. O ransom king of Israel. Now, while we don't know who exactly the author was of this beautiful carol, what we do know is that it was discovered by an Anglican priest whose name was John Mason Neal. While he didn't write the song, O come, O come, Emmanuel, he did discover it and he dusted off, you know, the uh, collection of time that was rested upon it and he put melody behind it. He put music behind the lyrics. Let me tell you a little bit about John Mason Neal. He was a brilliant man. He studied at the Cambridge University. Come on now. He spoke and wrote over 20 different languages. Can you imagine that? He and I have so much in common. (laughs) He was incredibly brilliant. However, his brilliance intimidated the church. And because of his brilliance and because of his evangelical views, the church outcasted him. They sent him on a missions trip, if you will. And they shipped him off to various islands in North Africa where the poverty level was just unimaginable. The difficulty of living in these islands in northern part of Africa. They were filled with poverty. They were filled with homelessness. They were filled with hunger. They, they were filled with helplessness. Uh, the church didn't leave them without anything, though. Uh, history tells us that when they shipped him off to these islands, they gave him 27 pounds worth of money. Uh, kind of Googled that, and that would be about $35 in today's monetary finances 35 bucks to live off for the whole year so here's this guy incredibly brilliant but rejected educated but an outcast and they ship him off to these islands where poverty is everywhere everywhere and he himself is poor can you imagine it yet while he was there watch what he does while he's there as an outcast, while he's there living amongst those who were filled with poverty, John Mason Neal founded an orphanage. He started a school for young girls, and he built a refuge that would protect prostitutes. Can you believe the ministry that God had given this individual? The point is, is that this guy wasn't just writing some songs this guy wasn't just putting melody behind lyrics he wasn't just creating music he was living out the gospel of jesus christ and watch this he himself was experiencing emmanuel that's the word and all of the lyrics of this beautiful carol this is the word that is sandwiched between so much truth and so much hope, but, but what does this word mean? What, what does Emmanuel mean? If you're taking notes, and I hope that you are, I encourage you to do so at both campuses. Emmanuel simply means that God is with us. Emmanuel, God with us. Come on, on the count of three, both campuses, let's say God with us, one, two, three. God with us. And I'm curious. I wonder how many of us have ever been in a moment in our life Where we have prayed, God, be with us. God, God, be with me. Come on, both campuses. How many have ever prayed a prayer like that? God, I need you to be with me in this moment. Come on, something like this. God, if you don't show up in this car in the middle of the interstate and give me some peace, I'm going to kill somebody. And Jesus, I need you to be with me. Come on, all of you in Maryland, you, you know about the Beltway there and how crazy it can be. I wonder, have you, have you ever prayed, God, we're going on vacation, and God, we need you to be with us because I don't want my kids to kill each other in the back seat of the car. Come on now. God, God, be with me as I start this new job. God, God, be with me as I go on this date. Don't let this person be psycho. Come on, God, help me out. I've done my homework on Tinder, Jesus. Help me now. Be with me. I don't need some psycho stalker coming after me. God, be with me. As I take this exam. And God would say, I am with you, but you should have studied. Come on now. You know, come on. God, God, be with us. God, God, be with me. Have you ever thought, what what does it mean for God to be with us? The, The reality of that truth, the understanding of that revelation, it changes everything. It changes everything. Uh, I want to I want to show you a few verses from chapter one of Gospels Matthew. Now the first couple of, of chapters in Matthew's Gospel, Matthew gives his version or his perspective or his story of the birth of Christ. But but in chapter number one, verse twenty one, Matthew talks about and he writes about this angelic visitation that happened. With Joseph, who was the fiancé to to Mary. And the angel said this in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. Jesus. Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Can, can I tell you that, that this right here in Matthew 1, 21, what the, what the angels spoke, this was the announcement that people had been longing for for centuries. I mean, ladies and gentlemen, this is the gospel of the good news right here. This, this is Christmas in just a few words that, that God will send us his son Jesus and this Jesus will save us from our sins. Why? Because we cannot save ourselves. And God knew that God knew that you and I we would need a savior and so he sent us Jesus. Now, now watch what happens in verse 22. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. I want to pause right there for just a moment because what Matthew is about to do, Matthew is going to quote the Old Testament prophet Isaiah And what you're about to see in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, is Isaiah chapter 7, verse number 14. Does that make sense? Matthew is quoting the prophet Isaiah here in the 23rd verse, and this is what he says. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. I want you to see this, because this is important. Isaiah prophesied. 740 years before Matthew 1, verse 23 happened. Seven centuries before this eventual prophecy came to life, Isaiah spoke these words that there would be a virgin. She would conceive and give birth to a son. Isn't that that overwhelming? Isn't that incredible Just, just how awesome our God is? But, but what Matthew says in conclusion to this 23rd verse was the most earth-shattering, life-changing news possible. Because he announced that God would be with us. That God, in His glory, in His holiness... That God would step down off of his throne in heaven and he would take on the form of human flesh and he would dwell among his people. Now you have to imagine that the individuals that, that were listening to Matthew or reading the gospel of Matthew, they, 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 would, they would know from history that in the Old Testament it said that God was so holy that, that God was so, so, so magnificent that you couldn't even look upon his face. These individuals would know uh, about Moses and how Moses would have to hide his face whenever God passed by because Moses couldn't handle the, the full-blown presence of the Lord. These people, when they heard that God would be with them, they would have known that when God dwelt in the temple, that only one person was allowed to go into the temple to be in the presence of God, and that was the high priest, and he was only allowed to go one time a year. And when he was eventually permitted to go into the holies of holies, they they would tie a rope around his waist and bells on his garments in case he died in the presence of God. I should do a carol next week called Jingle Bells. Come on now. (laughs) And if he died, they they would drag his lifeless body out. But now Matthew says, hold on. His name is Emmanuel. And God is with us. Let me preach for just a moment. What is it that made the shepherds run back to the fields rejoicing? What was it that caused the wise men to fall on their face and bow down and worship? It was this fact and this fact alone that God is not a distant God. God is not a far-off God. God is not an uninvolved God. God is not someone who just watches over us, but he is now, today, with us forevermore. It was the understanding that the creator of the universe, he's a relational God. And he desires to be an intimate relationship with his children. So he became like one of us in the form of a baby. Yet he was all God, yet all man, but without sin. Come on, help me out for a moment. John gets into the conversation. And in John chapter 1, verse number 1, John says it like this. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God, and the word was God. He says the word in verse 14. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. Now, why does John call Jesus the word? He gives Jesus, Emmanuel, a name, and he calls him the Word. And here's why he calls him the Word. It's because Jesus is the personification of the written and the spoken Word. So when you read John chapter 1 and you skip to John 1 verse 14, you can read it as follows. In the beginning was Jesus, and Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. Come on, somebody help me preach for a moment. Jesus became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Let me just tell you, and I want to summarize all of this. Here is what Matthew was saying, and here is what John is announcing. God is with you. God was with you. And God will always be with you in church. That is the best news ever. Come on, give me a good amen right there. That's Christmas. God is, God was, and God will be with you forever. The problem is, is that many of you simply don't believe it. And and, and here's how I know. Because the moment he goes, like, come on, give me a good amen. You're like, yeah, yeah. Many of us, we just kind of sit there and we wrestle with this thought that, that God is with me. Because if God is with me with all the stuff that I've gone through, something doesn't measure up, Pastor, with what, with what you're saying. Here, here's the truth. Some of you, you don't believe in God, so certainly you couldn't believe that God would be with you. Some, some of you are Christians, and so when I tell you that God is with you and then you, you measure that up to the challenges in your life, you would say, well, I, I, don't, I don't know if I believe that because I don't really feel him right now. Uh, some of you, uh, through this holiday season, um, and, and it's interesting to me that, that Thanksgiving and Christmas, they really serve as a great magnifier, don't they? They, they magnify the great, but they also magnify the pain. And so many of you at both of our campuses, you're, you're facing an empty chair this Christmas season, this holiday season. Maybe it's an empty chair because of divorce. Maybe it's an empty chair because of, of, of distance. Maybe it's an empty chair because, because of death or, or whatever, whatever it is. And so be, because of that empty chair, you're thinking, how, how is God with me and yet I feel so alone? Come on. Maybe recently you've gotten bad news, some kind of bad news about, about job or about your, about your health or, or whatever it is, but, but you're going through it and you're thinking to yourself, come on, how, how is Emmanuel, God with me? Where, where is God in the middle of all of this? I, I don't feel God. I, I, don't, I don't see God. If God is there with me, then why, why am I going through so much, God? Where are you? And some of you, if you're really honest, you would say, I've done some things in my life that I'm so ashamed of, and because of those things, why, why would God want to be with someone like me? Right. So, so here, here's my goal, if it's fair to set a goal, a preaching goal. Great. My preaching goal on, on this Sunday morning as we kick off this series, and it can only be done with the help of, of the Spirit of God. Man. I pray that by the end of, of this message, And the the louder you say amen, the faster I'll preach. How's that sound? That's about an hour's worth, by the way, right there. That by the end of this message, we are so conceived, convinced, rather, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that God is, God was, and God will always be with you because he is Emmanuel. Watch this. Let's break it down into those three thoughts. God is with you. I'm gonna walk carefully through those three thoughts, very simple. They might seem elementary, but I'm telling you, it's life changing when we get the revelation that he really is Emmanuel. God is with you. In Luke chapter 1, verse 28, this angel, now Luke is in the conversation, he's, pardon me, he's writing about his uh, version of the Christmas story, and an angel appears to, to the virgin, Mary, this teenage girl. And the angel says, greetings. It's a friendly angel. Come on now. Greetings, you, you who are highly favored. And then, he, and then he says this, the Lord is with you. Uh, let, me, let me tell you a couple thoughts that the Lord reminds me of whenever I read Luke 1, 28. The, the first thought is this. We are highly favored. God has his hand upon our life. He has blessed us. Come on, church. We're we're highly favored. And and the truth is, is just like God was with Mary when when he was about to invite her into a very difficult season, that same God, that same spirit is with you as he invites you into something very difficult as well. See, the truth is, is that, that the angel proclaims to this girl what she needed to know in order to endure everything that she was about to walk through. And I think it's such a beautiful reminder as we close out 2018 that that it reminds us that as we walk through the challenges of life also, as we face trials of, of many kind, as we face difficulty, as we face obstacles and hurdles, the Lord is with us. And you need to know something. And I don't mean to put down whatever it is you're going through because I know that for many of you, you're walking through some very difficult stuff. So my next statement is not meant to belittle the situation. It's just to show you how big God is. Come on. So I need to tell you that no matter what it is, that you're walking through, regardless of what you see. You serve a God that is bigger than that pain. He's bigger than that problem. And your Bible says he's never left you. He's never forsaken you. He is always with you. He's always there. He's always with you. Whenever I preach, I always love to to make it personal about things that me and my family are going through or walking through. That's one of the challenges of being married to a preacher or being a pastor's kid because everything they do is sermon material. But I have to be honest with you. uh, I won't even give you a timeline, but uh, the spiritual warfare of the transition that God has us on, this is a helpful reminder for me and my family that the Lord is with us. Both of our campuses, how many of you are parents? You are You are a parent. Uh, whether your kids are small or they're grown, one thing I'm learning is this, is that no matter how old your children are, you never stop loving them, and they never stop being your baby. Come on. So, so that, that, the, the Lord just dropped this in my spirit. that This might be a public service announcement that if, if your mom or dad is still alive, you ought to call them. Let them know you love them. Let them know how much you appreciate them. Because I've got two little kids, and the joy of my day is hearing them say, I love you, or them jumping on my lap. I can't imagine them growing up and being older and me waiting a week or two to hear from them. Come on, some parents that are missing their children ought to say amen right there. All right, so anyway, uh, this, this past week and a half, my little girl has been sick. I'm, I'm talking sick. High fevers, rash, hives. I mean, you name it. She's three. Um, it's one thing when you're sick. It's another thing when your children are sick and you can't do anything about it. I'm telling you, crying tears of pain. It's just been—we've so, we, taken her to the doctor multiple times. The last time we went to the doctor, they said the next stop is Children's Hospital of Atlanta. And in that doctor's office, I said, "In the name of Jesus, she's healed. Come on now. She's just been sick." Well, the thing, about, the thing about my London Grace is um, that she is a daddy's girl. And that's the truth. But not so much when she's sick. When she's sick, she only wants her mama. And I can't figure it out because I'm like, you always want daddy, and then when you're sick, you always want mama. But she has a great fear of doctors. Because in her little three-year you know, lifespan, every doctor's visit has ended with something being shoved in her ear, a stick being shoved down her throat to see if she's got strep, a prick in the finger. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. It's, I mean, it's just horrible. So she doesn't want to go to the doctor, and it doesn't matter how much we try to bribe her. She, she's smarter than that. <laughs> and so we knew that we needed to take her to the doctor, and she was hysterical, so hysterical that her temperature spiked, her body began to shake, and my heart my heart broke because I knew that the doctor is going to help you. But she, she could not wrap her little sweet mind around that reality that they're here to help and not to hurt. Amen. So with tears running down her cheeks, as she was shaking uncontrollably, she looked up, up at me and she said, Will you go with me? Will you go with me? I told her, I said, babe, I said, you better believe I'm going to go with you. And I said, and, I, and I'm going to hold you. And I said, and I promise you that, that if they try to do anything that doesn't help you, I'll tell them to stop. And I said, you can sit on my lap the whole time, and I will hold you, and I promise you, London, I will protect you. And we sat in that office, and I wish I could tell you that she smiled and laughed and enjoyed the visit. <laughs> but that wasn't the case. I, I had to hold her tight to keep her hands by her side as they simply examined her body. And over and over and over again, she would look at me for reassurance just to simply know, are you still there? Are you with me? And I, I would repeat. She didn't have to say anything. Come on, parents. It was the look in her eye. And I would respond to her, daddy's here. Daddy's here. Daddy's here. She cried, I cried, Kimberly cried. I think the doctor cried. Come on now. (laughs) Daddy's here. That's where I said. I got you. I got you. I got you. I got you. And when the visit was over, they they gave her a sucker. And I heard the Holy Spirit say, and so am I with you. And so am I with you. I, I got you. I know sometimes we walk through the difficulties of life, and the pain is overwhelming, and our minds cannot comprehend why we're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. But I've just simply come to encourage somebody in this Christmas season that daddy's got you, that his arms are open wide, and they're wrapped around you tightly, and he's embracing you, and he will never leave you not once. Come on, I wish I had a few hundred people that would receive that truth from God's word. Let me define it for you. When you're lost and you don't know where to go, he's with you as your guide. When you're hurting and you feel alone, he's with you as your friend. When you're in the middle of a trial, God is with you as your comforter. When you're sick in your body, God is with you as your healer. Whenever you are weak, God is with you as your strength. And when you're lost and in sin and you feel like he's nowhere to be found, he is Emmanuel. And He is God with you as your Savior. Come on, one more time, church. It's a great place to clap and say amen. Joshua 1.9, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Why? For the Lord, your God, will be with you wherever you go. Isaiah 41.10. So do not fear. Why? Why? Because I am with you, says the Lord. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. And I will strengthen you. And I will help you. And I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Uh, Matthew chapter 28, verse number 20. It's the great commission. And teaching them everything to obey. He said, I have commanded you. You learn it all. He says, I am surely with you always. Even to the very ends of the age. Church. God is with you. Come on, once again, put your hands together. Come on, do a little better. Come on, come on. The second second point is this. God was with you. You know, I think that sometimes you have to look back over your lifetimes because it's easier to see God in the rearview mirror than seeing him in the moment, at times. I think about Joseph in the Old Testament. I talked about Joseph briefly a few weeks ago. I, I might should do a series on Joseph because the Lord keeps reminding me of Joseph. Uh, the Joseph in the Old Testament is not the same Joseph connected to Mary in the New Testament. It's a different, different Joseph. But the Old Testament Joseph, if you don't know his story, at one time he was a boy with God-sized dreams. He told his dreams to his brothers. His brothers didn't like his dreams, so they beat him up and they threw him into a pit. Many of you can connect to siblings like that. Come on now. <laughs> and they, they decided, we'll just leave him here for dead. One of the nicer brothers said, no, let, let's not do that. He is our brother. Let's, let's sell him into slavery. And they're like, okay, that, that's a good idea. And so that's what they did. They, they, they sold him into slavery. And while he was held captive in slavery... Joseph, in the Old Testament, he he was faithful. He lived with integrity. But even in the midst of being faithful and living with integrity, great challenges came and he was falsely accused of something that he didn't do and so he was thrown into prison. So he goes from this pit into prison. And if you're looking at this from a distance, it would be really easy to say, where's God in all of that? And some of you can connect to the same story as Joseph. I feel like, I feel like when it rains, it pours. I feel like when I, when I finally get a little momentum, when I finally take a step forward, something hits me and I go two steps back. And, and I feel like I've gone from, from a, a pit to, to a prison. Where's God in all of these trials? Come on, where is God? You know. And really the truth is you have to see the story over the course of his life to realize that God was actually working behind the scenes. And I I think sometimes we forget that, that what you see is not all there is. Come on, just as real as this natural world is, there is a supernatural world, and God is working behind the scenes for you and on you. It's Romans 8 28. God works all things together for our good. Do you wonder where God was when he was in the pit? You wonder where God was when he was in the prison? Watch this, Genesis chapter 39, verse 21. The Lord was with Joseph. When he was in the pit, the Lord was with Joseph. When he was in the prison, the Lord was with Joseph. And then, and then when he finally got to the palace, guess who was still there? The Lord. He was with Joseph. There he was. And when you look back over Joseph's life, and you look back over your life, I'm telling you, you will always see that God was there. He was there. I get deeply emotional thinking back over my life at the times that God was there. I text Kimberly earlier in the week working on this message. and I said, I, I just keep getting stuck right here because when I close my eyes and I look at all the Lord has done, he, He's always been there. Oh. When I was 13... And my dad died from a massive heart attack.
0: God was there.
1: You know, I couldn't figure it out in the moment. I didn't understand in the moment. But some years later on my first assignment in ministry, had a little church in North Georgia, a small church in North Georgia, beautiful people, a great pastor I was a youth pastor of a youth group of about 12 kids. And in my first youth ministry assignment ever, a 13-year-old boy lost his dad to brain cancer. And I remember going over to the house and looking at that little boy and saying to him now as an older young man then, I know how you feel and God's with you. I think about when Kimberly and I first got married. My mom, who's watching online, she knows this. And mom and dad here, you remember this. But we hadn't been married but for about a year. And uh, I got really sick. Really sick. Um, I was dying. And they, they found a tumor in my small intestines. They called it a GIST tumor, G-I-S-T, gastrointestinal stroma tumor. They had to do emergency surgery, and I remember laying in that bed, looking over at my my new bride, not knowing the outcome of that surgery. And you know what? I look back, and God was there. They wheeled a a young man into my room. Uh, We shared a hospital room. His his name was DJ D.J. He was in a gang, and he was shot in the chest. I'm going through surgery, he's going through surgery, and in that hospital room, God used that moment for me to share my testimony, and DJ accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. God, God was there. When Kimberly and I were married for five years, and we were so desperate to be parents, and we couldn't get pregnant, we tried and tried and prayed and went to doctors. And the the first time, it took almost a year for us to get pregnant with Lakeland. And then when we desired to get pregnant with another child, it took almost two years. Two years of of the test coming back, telling us that she wasn't pregnant. The pain in my wife's heart and the tears and the worry and the concern and the fear. And yet now, look, I got an eight-year-old and a three-year-old. And God, God was there because His his delays are not His denials. I remember five years ago, leaving this church, moving to Maryland. Ah, To the beautiful people at Go Church that Kimberly and I love so much. We loaded up a 27-foot U-Haul. I always tell the joke that 26 feet of the 27-foot U-Haul was Kimberly's stuff. Come on now. And we started this ministry called Go Church, and we were meeting in a storefront. Micah, you remember? You were there. And we got a phone call from the landlord. He wasn't happy with us as his tenant. He wanted to raise the rent. He towed the staff's cars. Remember that? Towed the cars, told us we had to get out. We had nowhere to go. And randomly, we got a phone call from the local movie theater. The same week that we were basically being evicted, the theater called and said, hey, we heard you're a new church in town, wondered if you needed a space to meet and have church. And today, Go Church is still in that movie theater. Come on. I remember 1999. There's, there's too many God was there moments for me to recount. Give, give me the opportunity to share one more. In 1999, when I was lost in sin, I was cutting grass in a cemetery in Tampa, Florida, trying to figure out my life, and I heard the auditory voice of God call me by my name, JC. That's only one of two times in my whole life I've ever heard God speak to me audibly. And the power of God in that moment threw me off of that lawnmower. I'm not making the story up. I'm too afraid of God to lie. I was cutting grass in this cemetery 19 and a half acres, 47,000 graves, and I hear voices. Come on now. And the power of God threw me off this lawnmower, and I laid face down before the Lord, and He stripped away, stripped away that old life. That life of alcoholism that consumed me and it's been a generational curse on my family, it ended that day. Come on, by the power of Jesus. (laughs) Yeah. God was there. Just like Joseph working behind the scenes. And this is impromptu, as a matter of fact. Our staff will tell you there's a, a, a rule that we typically have in place. And the rule is this. I tell our worship leaders and pastors, you don't preach when you sing, and I won't sing when I preach. But this week, I just couldn't help but think about this song. And it's been on my heart over and over. And I, my, I've basically lost my voice the last couple of weeks. I'm going to sing part of it, and then I'm going to let Micah sing it, because I might can sing it, he can sing it. Come on now. But I wonder if you would do this. If you could close your eyes and think back of the God was there moments. If you could lift your hands and worship for just a second. Come on, both campuses, knowing God, God was there. He was there. Come on, just worship for a second. Hallelujah.
0: Thank you, Jesus. When I think about the Lord, how He saved me, how He raised me, how He filled me with the Holy Ghost, how He healed me. To the uttermost When I think about The Lord How he picked me up Turned me around How he set my feet On solid ground It makes me Wanna shout Hallelujah Thank you Jesus Lord you're worthy Of all of the glory And all of the honor and all of the praise, it makes me want to shout, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, Lord, you're worthy of all of the glory and all of the honor and all of the praise. Come on, can you give them
1: praise all over this room? Come on, just put your hands together. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to sing it. Uh, Media team, I want the lyrics on the screen so both campuses can see this. If you're physically able, can you stand to your feet? Come on, lift your hands all around this room. Come on, Micah, sing it now. Come on.
0: When I think about the Lord, how he saved me, how he raised me, how he filled me with the Holy Ghost, how he healed me. To the uttermost when I think about the Lord How He picked me up and turned me around How He placed my feet on solid ground.
1: Come on, both campuses, stand in worship. Come on. You
0: wanna shout Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus of all the love. You close your eyes.
1: I'm telling you, God is. And God was there. But here's the last one. Come on, you need to see it. So I'm going to go back to my TV for a moment because I want you to see this truth. God will be with you. God will be with you. Psalm 23, verse number 4, says it like this. Even though, watch, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Watch this. Jesus said in Revelation 1 verse 8, I am the Alpha. I am the Omega, says the Lord, who was, come on, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Now watch this for just a moment and I'll be done there is no question that God is and God was and God will be with you it's settled it is written he is Emmanuel God with us there is no doubt he is with you the real question is this are you with God Are you with God? Church, that's the question that needs to be answered today. And let me tell you, it's time that you give it an honest response. He is Emmanuel, and his desire is to reveal his love. His desire is to reveal his character. His desire is to reveal his nature and his goodness. And more than anything else, you know what he wants? He wants you. He wants you. He wants to be in relationship with you. You loving him with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Come on. He's not a God that's far off. He's not a God that's uninvolved. He's not distant. He is a relational God. And I really want you to answer this question. Are you with him? Are you with him? Every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm going to pray, and you'll be dismissed. God, when I think about you how you saved me, how you touched my life. Oh, God. It makes me feel a little silly to even think that I've questioned you. And God, I know that every person's story is different, but but the reason I believe you called me into ministry was to let me share my story so that others could experience the same Emmanuel that I have. So we know you're with us. It's written, it's settled, it's proven, it's fact. You're with us, but are we with you? My prayer today is that those who might feel far away, that they would give their heart to you, Jesus. So every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, touch the hearts of your people at both of our campuses. And if you're here today and you do not know God, don't leave here today without accepting him. That's Jesus Christ. Nobody's looking, me and the Lord. If you're here and you would say, I, I am not with God. I feel distant from God. That's not because he's distant from you. But you're, you're saying, I'm, I'm just ready to come into right relationship with Jesus. Don't, don't hesitate. Put your hand up right now. Come on, hand up right now. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Anybody else? Thank you. Come on, go church. And that movie theater that God gave us and blessed us with, if you're there today and you say, I need God, come on, throw your hand in the air. In the name of Jesus, thank you. Now, God, come into our hearts today. Come into our lives today. And may we experience the greatest gift that Christmas could ever bring, the gift of salvation. In Jesus' name we pray. Now, can you put your hands together? Come on, church, all around the room. Come on with everything you've got, come on.